Melissa Chen is a contributing editor for The Spectator. She serves on boards for nonprofits, has been on The Joe Rogan Show, and typically speaks on politics, global events, and human rights. And I decided to ask her about friendship. She has a lot of strong opinions, but is really good at being friends with people who have completely different views, which is a pretty rare and pretty valuable skill to have today. She grew up in Singapore and currently lives in LA, which is where I sit down to speak with her. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Connie. It's good to see you. <laughs> Very good to see you too. And we haven't seen each other actually in a couple months. Yeah. So we're having a nice little like catch friend up. catch up yeah. and talking about life. And you mentioned something really interesting that you're about to go to Africa to climb Kilimanjaro. Yes. That's insane. Yes. Are you doing this with friends? I'm actually doing this solo because uh, I had a near-death experience in Cambodia recently and so I really wanted to a lot of the things I put off you know because I was afraid of it was too risky and then I almost died sitting in a car doing nothing and so I thought you know all those things I had on the back burner I thought oh it was too dangerous to do okay it's time to finally do it That's so because like most incredible. people who have that experience are like either they clam up and they're like I'm gonna live in the shell like oh I took all this you know risk I almost died I'm gonna be very careful or yeah. YOLO, so there's kind of two ways you can go, and I, I picked the YOLO way. Yeah. I am so impressed. I actually didn't know that. It's actually amazing how independent you are. I mean, you have a lot of friends, but you're also totally willing to do, do things but, like, on your own. But nature stuff, I yeah. actually like doing by myself. Yeah. I don't know why. That's, it's, it's like, for me, like to unplug and go in nature, trekking, yeah. where your brain becomes like, just on autopilot. So what are some other things, like if you're hanging out with a group of your friends, what are you typically doing? I think friendship for me like centers around uh, deep conversation and, and not just like superficial stuff. Sometimes, you know, you can have a disappointing night with friends. You go out, restaurants very loud and you feel like the conversation never really gets below a certain level, mm. which is why also like numbers matter, right? Like sometimes you can go out with, uh, say, a group of eight for dinner, but maybe you don't get to a deeper level of engagement when you just go out with two or three. But what's satisfying to you after the fact, when you go home and you're lying you know, in your bed at night thinking like, my time is precious, right? Yeah. And that's something that I guess gets even more salient as you get older. Although I do think it's a parabola, right? I think once you retire, your time frees up again. And so like seniors have a very different relationship with friendship than adults have. They start connecting again. They're like, oh, remember my old friend? And they have more time. I've also heard that seniors actually have far fewer friends, though. Like, the loneliness epidemic is, like, much more prevalent among people who are, like, 50 and older, 60 and older mm. than, you know, the, the younger than the younger people out in the world. It's, like, becomes so much harder to stay right, connected. Right, right, right. Definitely much harder to make new friends. I, unless they're living in senior homes. Actually, I love the, the idea of, of, I don't want to say old people homes. It's uh, like any kind of a community for people who are yeah. older. My grandmother in Beijing lives in one. She's 92. It was amazing to watch her life and her friendships totally open up after, after she moved into this community, maybe around four years ago. But she had been living like alone with, with my grandfather. And it was hard for them to get out. They couldn't go very far. It was very yeah. isolating. My grandmother's super social. And now that she's in this place, it's like retirement Disneyland. That's like, awesome. It's like so many buildings, tons of people that are in their like 80s and above. It's like got these beautiful courtyards and gardens. 
daily activities. She teaches ancient Chinese poetry to other people in her in her community. It's like a second life. That's amazing. Like, it's so vibrant for Do her. They, so they bond over things like games and activities. They play games. They, they eat meals yeah. together. Yeah, they you know they all have like, this beautiful like cafe with full of full of actually tasty food. I love going there solo and just making friends with different old people. <laughs> yeah, I love I awesome. love talking to to older people too. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. The cross generational friendships. And it's yeah, hard it's so to rare. achieve because I think most people meet friends circumstantially, mm -hmm. right? So we went to the same school together, we took the same class. So it's all circumstance and embedded you with this other person. And so you develop a friendship based on that. So they tend to be in your same age group and you may be in your same socioeconomic class. Yeah. But to transcend that is something it's pretty tough. special. Yeah. Like, I love that view that, you, that you're bringing up. And that's actually one of the reasons I really admire you as, as somebody who can, who can make friends because you're so good at making friends with people in all different groups. Whether it's like the cross, cross generation as yeah. we're talking about, you obviously work in politically related industries, and, but you have friends on all different parts of the political spectrum and you're able yeah. to have conversations with all different groups of people. So no matter what the, the groups are, whether it's their, their beliefs or it's different religions or it's different ages, like you're exceptionally good at making friends and building bridges across all different all different groups. And I'm wondering how how did you get to be that way? I think I mean it takes a certain personality probably, you know, to to be able to engage with somebody and not immediately take offense at something that immediately comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Because that that's when you first like start shutting down and you're like closing yourself off to this person and it's it's getting increasingly harder. Like everything is so Polarized. Like I, I recently read um, a piece in the Washington Post, which uh, the title was "Can Can You Disagree? With, can You Still Be Friends with Somebody Who Has a Different Position with You on Roe versus Wade?" And that is such a contentious issue right now. Maybe the most I've heard yeah. of in a very long time. And I mean, it's difficult if it's so personal for you. How How, how do, do you, you do get that? around that, right? And I think, you know, it's it's the 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 number one approach for me is always assume good intentions. Right? At the end of the day, they're just trying to understand the world like you are. And I think at the end of the day, if you are friends with somebody to begin with, there's already a basis for a friendship. And mm -hmm. this person has arrived at a totally different conclusion on Roe versus Wade. Perhaps they are Christian, they attend church on Sundays, and they, they think that life, when life begins, happens earlier than you. Mm -hmm. right? And that really is where that argument boils down to. And knowing your friend, are you about to throw her under the bus and say, oh, no, she just wants to rob me of my right, she's evil. Can you not see her point of view that maybe mm. she has a different perspective because she thinks that life begins at a, at a different time than you? Yeah. And yeah. understanding intentions is, is really important because she's not trying to, to rob you of your right necessarily, even if that's the effect of her policy right it is a very fraught moral issue and it can't really be resolved because both sides don't know the answer it helps to have intellectual humility right but i think one of the problems today is that like people just feel like they have the answers and they're so quick to cast the other side as oh yeah. they're just evil and they don't want to let me pose a challenging question for for that because yeah. I, I totally agree and i think some of the issues for us is 
how we're not able to talk to people with different beliefs, whether it's friends or yeah. family members, right? Even, like many people, like intergenerationally, again, your family members believe different things than you do, and you still yeah. have to, they're still yeah. your family. Exactly. So it's sort of like, it behooves us to be able to find a way to connect with these people right. in spite of that. Right. But I, I want to challenge you by asking, when your friends have these beliefs, and you know lots of people, you have many friends, why not just say like, okay, even though I respect your beliefs, I don't choose to be friends with you because it's, it's hard. Like why still choose to be friends with that person? That's a good question. I think the basis of friendship is, is a lot more than just what your opinions are, right? Like it's, are you gonna be there for the other person? Do you support the other person? And what is the most precious resource or commodity right now? I mean, as we go into adulthood, it's definitely time for me at least. Mm -hmm. Who's gonna spend time on you? And you, you can see that person's investment in your life. When something goes wrong, who's there, right? And are you, so it really depends. There are all these different levels of friendship. Maybe somebody who's more of an acquaintance level, yeah, I'm not willing to invest time in somebody that has you know, these views. A very good example is I think 2016 broke a lot of people's minds, the election yeah. of Donald Trump, mm -hmm. right? And it's all mm -hmm. of a sudden, what, 50% of the country apparently became deplorables. And the question is, you had a friend, maybe it was your neighbor or something, you've known them for 10 years, you live next to them, and all of a sudden you find out this person voted for a certain candidate. What is the conclusion here that all this while this person is evil and suddenly became a racist in 2016, or did they have good reason to do something like that and try mm -hmm. to understand it from their perspective? Yeah. We're just so quick in, to, to make these decisions now, and it's the same with COVID. Oh, you're not vaccinated? You know, instead of trying to understand where they might be coming from yeah. um, and what their intentions are and how they came to their, their conclusion, it's, it, we're just so quick to just cut people off. Yeah. Maybe, like you said, it's... Which is the opposite of friendship. It is the opposite of friendship, but I think how you proceed depends on how strong the foundation was. Because if it's not strong, then you're right. Like, what basis do I have to keep the friendship going? So if you're, if you're deciding you want to continue or, or you're meeting someone new and you kind of want to get to that point of understanding them, maybe even becoming at least on, on friendly terms, what do you ask? How do you be curious about somebody with like these other views and still learn more about them beyond? Oh, like a new person? Them. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a different topic. I think yeah. making friends is different than maintaining old ones. Totally. And making friends as an adult is hard. I actually have an experience where I did not like this person when I first met him. And we just like argued all the time politically. He's kind of like a very, he's, he's definitely, he was a Bernie supporter, but maybe even to the left of Bernie. And we used to argue all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't stand how you think. Um, we actually had one night where we had a conversation <laughs> and he, we just talked. And I, I, I don't know what it was, but everything shifted after, like, I didn't think he was evil. It's just, I didn't think he was dumb or anything. Like, you know, those adjectives that I had like yeah. previously attached him, by the way, he's brilliant. He's actually a really smart guy. Mm -hmm. It's just that he has taken certain positions and that I, I just was so antagonistic too. I just kind of wrote him off hmm. from the beginning. And it wasn't until that, that night that I just started seeing a different side of him and we had a very deep conversation. It went all the way back to the root of human nature because I think your view on politics depends on your view of human nature and what it is. And so mm. if you kind of like go all the way down, like what's the, you know, all turtles all the way down to the <laughs> first turtle, now it's like, oh, it's coherent. Your worldview is coherent. I now understand, you know, reverse engineering it. I now understand why you came to the conclusions you did. It's because you had this view right here. Mm. We just deferred on that, but it's debatable. You know, it's not, I don't have all the answers. Maybe you are right. And 
That's and, a powerful thing to admit also, right? Yeah. But I think you bring up such a beautiful point that you have, even however far you feel, you have commonalities somewhere. You have that common yeah. ground. It's about getting to wherever that, that first connective principle is. That's exactly It's right. about being able to find that. Right. Like it sure. could, be, some, it yeah, could yeah. be anything. It's like, oh, you like that? I like that too. It, it, it's very and interesting what, yeah. what we latch on. And I think mm. the problem with making friends as adults, which is very different than making friends when you're younger, is that space starts to diminish the space for finding the commonalities start to diminish mm. because you're not thrust in the same circumstance anymore in the sense that like, you know, when you were a kid, you used to be able to run over to Johnny's house next door and just like, hey, let's go play. Like we're, you're always in the same context as them. You're, yeah. you're seeing them in class. Yeah. Once you're older, everyone moves. I think they say like the average American moves about 11 times in his or her life. That's a lot. So you, you know, your, your social networks are just very dispersed and they're not circumstantially attached to you anymore. You have to go out of your way and actually make an effort. And on top of that is social media, which I think that form of communication gives people the illusion that they have a lot of friendships, yeah. but it's superficial. Well, how do you handle that? You have a pretty big social media presence. You have a lot of followers. You have a lot of people who want to talk to you or interact with you in some way on, yeah. on social media. Yeah. What it's are those connections? I, I definitely have made friends through social media, really good friends, people that I would have only come to know because I was active on social media. And I think one thing it allows you to do is the more authentic you are, the more you will find people drawn to that and select it for. Because mm. like they, you're already putting your real self out there. So the only people who will gravitate towards you are the people who like that. And so they're, they're self-selecting, right? They're making themselves known to you, like, oh, I agree with your views, here are my views, and yeah. you read them and, and you're able to, to, to kind of build something based on that. I, I think that's a great point to bring up, and like, you, you, you use Twitter a lot, right? And it, it, you bring up a really important point that you are being as much yourself as possible. So then the people who see that, they can connect with them and be like, I like that, yeah. let's have a conversation. Exactly. But that also is, is a way to make enemies or to, to have yeah, yeah. of like haters, basically. No, Does right. that bother you? How do you, okay, how do you so, deal with that? It's like the opposite, again, the opposite of friendship. <laughs> the most hippie thing I'll say is what you put out, you, you reap what you put out into the world. Mm. And I think how you use social media really matters. There are people who are trolly, right? They will say mean things. I can be snarky sometimes when, when it calls for that <laughs> and I enjoy it, but that's also my natural humor. I'm not going to yeah. tailor that just because I don't want to draw the hate. Yeah, you're going to get some. It's, it's the internet. Like it's the internet. My feet pictures are crowdsourced and rated 4.9 on Wikifeed. So <laughs> I was disgusted and very happy at the same time, but, but it's, it's like, you just have to understand the, the rules of engagement and the internet's mm. rules of engagement are you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna put yourself out there. Sword. You can it's like all edges. It, yes, <laughs> but there is a way I think to use it in a way that expands your intellectual and social life. Yeah, you say that you've met many good friends that way. Another interesting thing I like to talk to people about is when you have so many people that you could communicate with or, or choose from in terms of how you spend your time, as you were saying, how do you choose who do you wanna become friends with, how, which connections you wanna deepen? Yeah, I think for me it's depth. You know, for some people it's like, oh, we have to have common interests. Like, I think that helps, but I don't think I need that per se. In fact, mm -hmm. sometimes I like having friends with totally different interests because I'm going to learn about a totally different subject that yeah. I would have no contact with, right? So that's one of the benefits actually of being good friends with somebody in a totally different field. Like, yeah. I don't know, for me, an economist. 
oh, I get to learn about your field that way. And I think it's a better way to learn about it than, I don't know, through textbooks. Do you have any traits that you feel like these, these are traits that your, your friends all have in common or that you, you seek in Yes, in it's, it's depth. For me, it's like, there, there are some people whose conversations remain on a very superficial level where it seems like there's nothing deeper. Mm. You know, it's not something that you can learn easily. It's, it's, for example, when I first met you, like you were asking really deep, really hard questions within, I don't know, an hour. <laughs> it, people don't forget that. And Aww. you get to unearth who that person really is, right? That, that's, how, that's how you operate. Mm. And that's a good example of why, like, I'm like, okay, it doesn't really matter what Connie's about at all. I, I really feel like I knew you on a certain level because that's of nice. that. I've had this kind of depth where I sat next to somebody on a long haul flight from Chicago to Hong Kong, 15 hours, got reduced to two. And the next thing you know, we're about to land and we just talked the whole flight. Right? Sometimes that just happens and we're friends for life after that. Do you intentionally try to make that happen by asking certain key questions? No, it, hmm, it's actually very organic for me because I'm not trying to collect new friends. Mm. So that's not my intentionality, yeah. especially when you're like, okay, we're about to not shower for 15 hours, gonna look like crap. I would really like to settle in and read a good book, right? It's like peace for the first time, cut off from the internet. It's great experience. Switching gears for a second, just about like the softer side of friendship. Okay. How do you personally like to show up as a friend? I think for me, it is giving, I think attention is, is the biggest compliment you can give somebody. It's the biggest mm. gift. And that is because, you know, even time, you could be there, but you could be on your phone and you, your mind could be somewhere else and you're not really there for your friend. Mm. So time is not the resource here. I think it's attention to be able to sit down one-on-one -on -one with a person. Yeah, it's time is involved because you took time out of your day, but to fully immerse and just not be anywhere else. And that's also becoming harder. When you yeah. go out sometimes to restaurants, you do see groups of girls or something. They're sitting on the same table, but they're all, they're together alone. Yeah, because they're, they're all on their, their phone. Or and they're, they're mm -hmm. oh, look at what, 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 you know, and it's just, by the way, I can be a very bad friend. Sometimes a person needs <laughs> something and in the moment I'm like, oh no, I have such a crazy busy day. There's no way I can show up for that. And I, you know, you feel terrible. Oh, I hope your friends understand that. Or anyone's, right? We, we have, we're human. We have variability within all of that. I know, I know. Who is a friend that you would say has changed your life? A friend that has changed my life. That's an interesting question. Oh. I would say, actually, it is a friend who was a friend before he became my, my work husband, my co-founder. <laughs> Never in a million years would imagine I would have any, anything to do with a bleeding edge millennial. He's almost a Generation Z, mm. born in 1991, Iraqi refugee. I would never in a million years think that I would have one of my best friends in life today would be somebody that is from such a whole different world. Like his, mm. he talks about his childhood and I feel, oh my gosh, the shit you've been through. And we had to navigate having a friendship, but also like starting and building an NGO together, which is five years strong today. Amazing. So, but yeah, I don't know, it's weird. We just, how did he impact, like did he impact your thinking? Did he impact, I mean, obviously you work together, but like, how did he impact you as a person? He gave me the courage, I think, to leave a very, planned life 
Mm. I was on track to do, you know, to do the Asian thing, get a PhD, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was in grad school at the time. Uh-huh. And I was already like kind of unhappy with how things were going, but he was the one that kind of stepped in and, and I don't know, he allowed me to voice what I really wanted this whole time, but it didn't surface. Yeah. And then to have a partner say like, you know what, you want to do this, let's do this together. Mm -hmm. And you kind of tie your fates together, yeah. you know? And so when you intertwine your fates, I think that is some of the strongest friendships that, yeah, that's really that can ever blossom and, and stay solid for the rest of your life, yeah. How else do you think you'd be different today without, without the friendships that you've had? And firstly, intellectually, a lot of, a lot of my intellectual heroes became my friends. And so those mm. big influences, right, on, on my life. I would say advice. We don't come fully formed. And I've, I've taken a lot of advice from, from friends. Yeah. I don't know what I would do sometimes if I, if I didn't have that. Because we're all just, we're specialists in our own way. Just the way the education system is churning out people who are good at just this narrow thing. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes friends just offer a different perspective. They don't have the same bias that you will have. They can check your confirmation bias. Yeah. And they can be like, snap out of it. Like, what are you doing? So yeah. you, you want friends who are also not afraid to tell you the truth. Oh, that's such a good point to bring up. Yeah. Especially again from your unique perspective where what is the truth versus what is just people like argue because they're seeing differently. How do you tell? How do you get to the friends that are telling you the truth? I mean, I think sometimes you will know when, when you realize that you have this friend who's like, mm, you're a little irritated sometimes because she or he will just say something and you're just like, ugh. But if you think a little further, there's no way you can have a friendship with someone, especially a deep long-term friendship and never feel anything bad from that relationship. Something hmm. is wrong, I think. Mm. If you go such a long time and never felt any kind of a distaste based on what he or she said to you. And, and maybe that is because it's confirming everything that you want to hear. And then that's where friendships may be political because sometimes there mm. are the po political aspects. I, you know, somebody wants to be friends with you for reasons other than just actual friendship. They want to be friends with you because they want access to contacts. They want something you have. If you're a public figure, maybe they just want your attention, whatever it is. But as adults, we become a lot more weary about people wasting our time. And as you get older, your responsibility, the load of that responsibility starts to having higher stakes, right? You have kids now, you have a life to make, you have a home to maintain. And so time becomes, you have to spend it a lot more efficient way. Yeah. And so if a friend is just wasting your time in any way, shape or form, you're going to cut them out pretty easily. And that's, you know, easy come, easy go with the, with adult friendships, which is why it's also so hard to form lasting adult friendships. Wait, tell me that's more about that. that. Actually, it's, it's a subject that so people have asked questions about. Well, how do you end a friendship that's not, that you're, you no longer want to have as a friendship? People actually struggle with this. I think people find it maybe more difficult um, than, than you might think to, to end a, or transition a friendship into but, something else. How do you do it? I mean, it's not like a relationship, like a partner. Because I think familial relations kind of become a little more important as you as you get into you know middle adulthood and then the friendships kind of they're i won't say an afterthought but but it's very easy to, to slip into that because you know these are, are are people that also have their own families that also have 
their own careers. People don't prioritize they're, it. They're, they just stop prioritizing it in the way that they used to when they were in college, when they were in high school. And that's and actually really tough. It's tough. Yeah. I think that's when that's when you start to get lonely, and then that's when you over rely on your your partner for or your family for everything else. Right. So your view is that it's not as challenging to end friendships because friendships are yeah like sometimes they're not prioritized sometimes they're like you think they, they can they are they're yeah. in flux that's yeah. they're in flux all the time yeah. as an adult and it's not i mean a relationship yes you have you know the with the amount of investment it's very clear and and also because yeah. there are other attendant issues with not and ending like, a relationship you defined the the boundaries of the expectations right people call it defining the yeah. relationship because you've said a relationship means this here are the the rules yeah. of this yeah. of this particular engagement but we don't and do don't, it with friends no but it's interesting to bring up because I'm like, you know, like maybe, maybe we should like not to add complications to it, but it's interesting that, that we, that, that we don't it, like you're, you're even saying one of the most important things about a friendship is knowing who will show up for you, yeah. who will be there. Yeah. And if these expectations are never set, how, how do you know? You but know? I think friendships die a natural death when they just drift apart and hmm. like both parties kind of know what's happening and it's, at that point, is it even worth putting in the time to formally close it? What do you get right. out of, you know, what Gwyneth Paltrow calls unconscious uncoupling with relationships? <laughs> Why do you need to apply that to friendships? I mean, would it, would it feel better for you to close out? I think it's probably more helpful in, in a case maybe where one friend doesn't want to close out, but another friend that's so I think it's sad. I know, but I think it's happening. I've I've heard of people who are like who've had to end friendships because they're this is suddenly their their lives have changed and this person still wants to hang out or spend time but maybe they're whatever it is. You know, I've I've heard lots of different stories okay. about it and sometimes people have said they've just had to find some way to kind of actually end that friendship the the way one might end a relationship. At least that's what it starts to sound like. It's interesting. Otherwise it keeps taking your time, right? And yeah. the person keeps reaching out or it feels mean because they're reaching out but you don't want to engage. So what do you do? I, I think right. the ritual thing to do now is unfriend. <laughs> like it's just oh. that's that's the level that's the level that we're at in society now. Back to social the dreaded, media. The dreaded unfriend, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Um, is there any piece of advice that you'd love to share that you've learned about friendship? Hmm. It's it's interesting. The the friends I thought would be my friends forever when I was growing up didn't end up being that. Like you're so convinced in that moment. You're like, oh yeah, we're best friends. Pinky swears, all that like crazy things that you do. You know the the girl I did my had my first cigarettes illegally in the high school bathroom. People really change a lot, and you cannot anticipate that. You cannot anticipate the road ahead. And I think to not have that resentment, I wish I knew to expect that relationships and friendships were going to be in flux. That, that you know, you have to allow people to grow into their own. And maybe they're gonna be away from you for a while. You know, maybe your best friend in college is going to take that job in Chicago and you should be happy for her Mm. That might mean the end of your relationship, but it's important for for both of you to grow. And I think I, I think accepting that is, is actually liberating because now you won't be resentful that you lost a friend or that it's fading or that oh she's not there for me. 
it's, you know what, she's happy. Like, that was the goal of friendship all along. Aww. And, um, yeah, I wish, I wish I knew that earlier because I think though there have been some resentment over lost friends or like, oh, why, you know, why isn't she here? And then asymmetries start bubbling up. And that's also another complicated issue because asymmetries bubble up because of differences in responsibilities. Maybe one, your friend has kids, you don't. Differences in socioeconomic class. Maybe that, you know, you had more money than your friend and they have less disposable income so they can't do the same things that you want to do. Now, mm. how do you navigate that? That all these little subtle things do impact a friendship later on. And, you know, it's, it's, that's what makes like maintaining and making new adult friends just so, so difficult. Yeah, it does, it, you know, if one of the basis of being friends is to be able to spend time together and there's yeah. like factors that might affect or limit that. Yeah, yeah exactly. adds in, it's yeah. complex. Yeah. Well, actually, now I just want to add another little, little question. How many close friends would you say you have? Close. See, family, does that count? Because I think I sometimes when you have big family, you, they substitute as friends, like cousins or like, you know. That's so interesting. It can. I think it can too, but I think many people would not say that. There's some, there some people who would say, like, you know, they're friends or they're chosen family. Or family is just family. It's a separate Right, bucket. right, right. No, no and it's important to have thing. that yeah. separation. Who are you going to bitch to about your family? Your other family. I would say I have four or five, like, close friends that I, mm. I know that, well, they, they know, like, deepest, darkest secrets. And yeah. if I picked up the phone, would be there. No questions asked. Sweet. And one of them is actually a relative. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but I would consider her a friend too. It's, it's complicated, but yeah. What about in the next wider circle? How many people would oh, you say Oh, a lot more. Yeah? Yeah, a lot more, I would say. Just like good um, friends, but not like your closest friends? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, social media really makes it so much more possible to invest very little for maximal results. Like, I can talk to many people at the same time but it only cost me that specific unit of time. But, but you know, a wider base of people feel like mm. I just, you know, was maintaining some sort of relationship with them. Technology has really helped us re retain friendships with so many more people at the same time with the same amount of effort. Absolutely. Now, the, again, the question is whether or not it's the same amount of depth, which I'm challenging that. But, but in terms of just maintenance of relationships, do people know what you're up to? Do people feel part of your life? It's so easy. You just post one picture and it's like, oh yeah, Connie's in Costa Rica with so-and-so. And they feel like you've just told them about you've your life. It is one life. data yeah. point, right? Yeah. One deposit into the friendship bucket. But what happens after that, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting thought because it's not, it's like, you feel like it's being shared with you. Actually, I remember one, I went, it was many years ago, I got a comment, a compliment perhaps uh, from, from somebody who I didn't know very well, but they said they felt a lot closer to me because they've seen so many of the things that I posted on on Facebook at, yeah. at, at the time because I'm I like sharing things and yeah. for me as a kid who grew up with the internet like I like typing things out and sharing them on the internet as yeah, like yeah. just a means of of letting people know what's going on I didn't realize like even though I'm putting it out there and I'm not hearing from other people but they're feeling close to me just because they Correct. see what I what I wrote which is so I, intimate was, yeah it's so intimate. Really you are revealing it's like the Connie reality show Right? It's like, imagine you have a camera just following you around and just everyone can stay connected. Your family and your friends who are all in that circle in your social network. Yeah. And yeah. so with just a minimal amount of investment, you can feel like you're updating everyone. Because before that, what was the alternative? You had to call one-on-one -on, -one on a landline. Yeah, one-to-one -one versus hey, one-to-many. Hey, they pick up the phone. <laughs> it's a totally different, so we have no excuses today, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh. 
That's a great point. All right, moving over to our lightning round. This is just off the cuff, whatever, whatever you think comes to mind. Uh, who was your first friend? I, oh my, it was uh, primary school. I remember her name, she was also Melissa. Her name was Melissa Fitzgerald, actually. And yeah, she was my first primary school friend. Her father was a lounge singer. So we used to like sneak into the lounge to go see him. He had this great afro. Like it was kind of crazy. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. I hadn't thought about him forever. It was crazy. What's a gift you've received from a friend? Like a physical gift? Or? Well, yeah. Or, but it could be, or I guess it could be an emotional gift. Mm, I, I received a really nice ring actually that was in engraved with my dad's name and everything from a friend when my dad passed. And that was, that was very sweet, yeah. What's a gift that you've given a friend? Recently or traditionally? It can be either. I, I like to give meaningful gifts, like things that, you know, they can track and be like, oh, this is from, I don't know, William Sonoma or something, like, <laughs> no, I, I, I like, I like, personalizing things so one of my one of my really good friends has a, a dog and i got her a collar that has a personalized tag only because i i also know dog mom yeah. and i know how much that meant to to me so that's very sweet who's a friend you think i should have on this podcast hmm. interesting you know i have a really really good friend who is one of those that you described because you talked about transcending age this person is like 50 year old Indian man, and I consider him one of my closest friends. Mm. We bonded so quickly based on a conversation at TED, and uh, he is not the kind of person you would expect to, he's just, he's just such a big delta between expectations and reality, just mm. based on, you know, just based on how he appears. And we also disagree on so much. He's one of my wooiest friends. <laughs> Like he <laughs> believes in the horoscope and he, Listen, what did you connect on? On, on something a lot deeper. It was our own familial relations and how to deal with having someone you love who's not accepted by somebody else mm. because of their sexual orientation. And it happened so quickly, so deep. And we left Ted thinking like, okay, we're gonna start a camp, a summer camp for gay kids who have nowhere to turn and rejected by their families. Yeah. He, he's the founder of a tech company, a fashion tech company. So I, I, think, I think it'll be interesting. He, he connects very deeply too. And so I look for people like that as I get older because I don't have time to beat around the bush and try to get, you know, to, to kind of filter out, okay, does this person have what it takes to engage on this level? The moment mm. somebody reveals those cards to me, I'm like, collect. That is <laughs> so rare yeah. um, in this life because everyone's always engaging, like I said, so superficially, whether it's social media or in real life. Yeah. yeah so. I've noticed with a lot of people that I've been meeting recently this year, there's like the, the phrase like dropping in with someone. Like either you, you and, and that means connecting deeply with, with, with somebody. Dropping in means connecting deeply? Yeah. It it's actually a very like, LA phrase that okay. <laughs> I've heard. I think I've heard that, but, but to me, when I hear that, it sounds actually the opposite of deep. Dropping in, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna you know, that's in. A, that's a just... good, that's an interesting point. That's a good point. Yeah, well, I, I think at least the people I talk to mean it in like a, hey, we, even if we only have like five minutes or 10 minutes, especially if you're at an event, a lot of times we meet people at events, right? Like there's bigger gatherings, yeah. but you have to find a pocket of time where you can actually try to see if there's like that deeper connection, Correct. right? So yeah. that, that's what they mean yeah. when they say there's, there's these drop-ins. Because so you, can, you can go to a lot of these like 
you know, bigger parties, bigger mm -hmm. events with other people, but there's no time to really, there's no engagement yeah. that you really come away from those events feeling like, okay, we got, it can we be advanced, very surface you know? level. Yeah. And, and, you, and so I do think it takes, and it doesn't have to take two people. That's the magical part. It can only take one person who decides, oh, you're, you're interesting, would love to have like a five minute or 10 minute, just like a deeper moment and then, then ask a question that is more about something that's below the surface. Anything. Like the questions that you... Well, I, I do love okay. asking yeah. questions and the, I know you know, have a lot of curiosity. But yeah, like, and if, if you manage to do that and then feel like you can actually connect with someone beyond, beyond that surface, that's yeah. then, hey, maybe our friendship has started. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Because I do, I do believe that as we get older, yeah, we have less and less time for weather conversations <laughs> and yeah. sort of like where you're from conversations. It's either like, look, let's get in and see, hey, are we going to connect on something deeper? Or maybe right. we're both cool people, but we're just not friendship compatible. And that's yeah. okay. No. Um, did you learn anything about yourself through this conversation? Yes, that I'm uncomfortable having such conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you mean about friendship? <laughs> really? Uncomfortable? What do you, like, what does that mean? I, I, no, it's, it's not because it's not my wheelhouse. Like, it's not something mm. I, you're in a way forcing me to think about these topics that I don't, I, I didn't actually put much thought into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, 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 that's kind of awesome, actually. I love that because I, the whole point of me having these conversations is, you know, friends talking about friendship yeah. and what it means to us. And, and part of the way that you think about it or don't think about it is your unique perspective. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, there are, it's, it's just such a changing thing, too. Like, if I'm sure sociologists are trying to tackle, like, how modern friendship is yeah. evolving, right? And so, yeah. In a way, like you, you, you put me in a position to confront these issues and to think about it a little deeper. Oh, that's so. beautiful. And it's great that you're not, you know, preparing or thinking about it ahead of time. Because my goal is not to talk to you about the, you know, the intellectual. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's totally not. Not the science, not the intellectual side, but just like what it means to you. Yeah. And there's no wrong answer there. Yeah. Awesome. I'm gonna give mm, you a thank big you. hug. Thank you. This is a fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of episode four. Melissa has since climbed Kilimanjaro and sent me an amazing video of the view from the peak, which was both scary and beautiful. Huge congratulations to you for making it all the way up there and back again. Thank you for the reminders to stay open to ideas that are different from our own and to focus on finding the things that we do have in common. I really believe that if you went deep enough, you can find things in common with pretty much anyone in the world no matter how different they may seem at the start. And to look for that, instead of looking for what divides us, is its own kind of special magic. Keep on searching, and thank you for being you.